This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Anytime the anointing of God comes on the scene, it is there to change things and people. Um, interesting, there's a wonderful scripture that tells us about the people uh, who... Why am I teaching about the anointing? Because I wasn't going to. I'm just going to keep going on this. Um, you know, the, the, when, when, the pres- when people, people don't understand, Christians don't understand the anointing. I don't know what... When I first heard that word anointing, um, I didn't have much sensing as to what it was. You know, this is jargon that we use in charismatic circles. You never hear about the anointing on a believer in a Baptist circle. And, and I'm not criticizing Baptists, please understand. I'm just using them because there's so many of them. You know, Jimmy Swaggart said they're more Baptists than they are people. And <laughs> Baptist dogs and cats, I don't know. But there are that many of them. So we tend in this country either to look at the Catholics or the Baptists because those seem to be the two major ministry thrusts. But um, when I first heard the word anointing, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was for. People said it's there to break the yoke. I didn't know what yoke they're talking about. <laughs> Amen. Come on. How many of you is it? See, see we, we so many times use terminology that many people don't understand. And we have a look. If we understand that it's written to an Eastern mind and Jesus is talking about a yoke coming into harness with. All right, and you know when they trained an ox in the in the in the Bible days, even today they still do it. They take an experienced ox, one that is used to taking on the yoke, and they will put an inexperienced uh, animal next to him yes. in the yoke. And this one pushes and shoves. It doesn't realize for a long period of time it can't get free. It's yoked. See? Now, some of you are yoked like that in marriage, all right? And this one's shaking and wanting to get out. No, 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 you can't, okay, in Jesus. So here they <laughs> Let's move away from that. Let's move away. So now, here they are, and they, here they are, and that's how you get trained in the yoke. Now, I want you to realize something. The, the, the yoke is a yoke of bondage that is being referred to, and it's the power of God that comes in to break the yoke of bondage over a person's life. Sin is bondage. Right? And that's what the power of God does. It breaks anything which is of, not of His kingdom, is of the devil, right? That has you captive. That power comes in and breaks. Now, we need to understand that when the presence of God is in a room, in an area, now, we all get together Why do we enter into praise and worship? I believe that praise and worship enables us to come to a place where our spirit gets focused and quietened in the presence of God. Now, He lives on the inside of us. Okay? We know that. But you know, we can get together and there be no anointing. See? But He lives on the inside of us. Surely then, there should be an anointing. No anointing. Why? Because there is a place, although He's living on the inside of us, there is a place where in our praise and our worship, we focus that much, we quieten our spirits, things outside us that would occupy us and detract from our focus on Him, 
those things become secondary and unimportant. And as we focus on Him, we enter into praise and worship, there rises out of us the presence of God. See, we're saying, let the glory fall. From where? The glory comes from within you. From within you. You release that. Now, I'm saying that because we're talking about the character of God. God is love. We saw that last week in 1 John. God is love. God, it's not God has love. God is love. That's His character. That is His nature. We saw in Romans 5.5 5, that the love of God, that same love, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So when you got born again, you got on the inside of you everything that goes to make up the character and the nature of God. You didn't get some of it and not all of it. You didn't get the first three and not the next bunch. You got all of it. See? And so now, if you understand this, I walk around, we walk around, spirit beings filled with the life of God in an earth suit, and God's got certain expectations of us. God is expecting us to reflect Him to the world. Now, I want you to realize this. You can't be Jesus. We are mirrors. We reflect the light. The people look at the light and they see God. Do you understand? That's what our lives are to be. We are to reflect God. Now, I want you to know, I've got it on good authority. God doesn't necessarily tiptoe into church. Have you seen those people that are trying to be godly? Okay. Good morning, brother. How are you this morning? Praise God. We've got to be quiet in the house of God. And all heaven's breaking loose around the throne up there, 24 hours a day. Drums, bugles, everything blasting. Voices, myriads of angels worshiping and praising God so loud that the scripture talks about waters like mighty thunders. And here we are tiptoeing in because we've got this wrong idea about holiness and how to come into the presence of God. Now, getting to know the character of God enables us to have confidence towards it. If you don't know a person and you don't know their character, when you hear bad things about them, you'll believe the bad things. Have you noticed that with me? <laughs> oh, I know. It's true. A lot of people don't know me. Okay? So they'll hear, somebody got mad, somebody left, somebody did this. Okay? And the people say, ah, here's that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. To know me is to love me. You've got to get to know me. See, Now, I'm using myself as an example, but the same thing applies to the person next to you. Because you see, in the body of Christ, you are going to have people who are going to fall out with others. You know, then I'm going to leave this church. Well, God never said you can leave the church. The Lord is moving us on. Ah, fooey, man. God's not moving you on. Your pride is hurt. And you, you are not mature enough to say, man, we've got a situation that we need to deal with. And as we deal with it, we will grow. Right. We'll mature. 
When you have a, a tiff in your own natural family, you don't say, ha, tired of this family. I saw one down the road. They're always smiling a lot. I'm going to go there. They have got love in that family. I don't want to be a God's moving me on. Now we laugh about it, but we'll do it to the family of God. I'm talking character. I'm talking about getting to know God. Got this idea too that when, when I, I miss the mark, when I sin, God's going to beat me over the head with a two by four. Why? Because of bad teaching. So it reflects on the character of God. And that's why you see there are some people who battle to love God because they don't know God's character. What they look at is their natural experience with their natural father, and if that was not good, they, ha they hear the term heavenly father, and they associate heavenly father with natural father, and they're saying, I don't want any part of that. There are others who, when they, when they miss the mark, uh, God's going to... Bad things start happening. This is God teaching me a lesson. I better check out where it is that I've gone wrong. I've done something. I call it spiritual thumb on spiritual pulse. Am I in the kingdom? Am I not? That kind of mentality will keep you in bondage. See, the character of God, if God is love and the Word of God says He is, then I need to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and have a look at what love does. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and let's just have a look and refresh our thinking as to what love does. How does love behave? Now, you can take the word love in 1 Corinthians 13 and replace that with God, the word God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 the first couple of verses just emphasize for us the need to have this love. Now, I'm going to deal with two aspects tonight, and I want you to see, the first one is this, that love, when you operate in love, you will end up providing for yourself. You will end up meeting your needs. That sounds weird, but let's move there. Then uh, the second thing I hope we get to <laughs> is that love will enable heaven to flow through you. But you've got to come to a place where that is permitted by you. It's not God. A lot of Christians are saying, God, come and make the changes. And the Lord has already done everything that needs to be done. What He's wanting to do is start working on the inside of us, but He will only do that as far as we let Him. God doesn't elbow His way into your life. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, uh, let me have a look at verse 4. You know, my Bible's so mocked. Can somebody got a Bible? My Bible's so mocked, I can't even read it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Love suffers long. I want you to see what it does. It suffers long. And while it's suffering long, it's kind. Okay? Uh, it endures. It puts up 
with all your bull. That, that, that's my version, all right? You won't find any rendition that says that. All right, this is me, all right? All right? Love endures your bull and all the time it's kind towards you. Nobody's offended by that, are you? Please don't be. Please. Love doesn't envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Doesn't draw attention to itself. Doesn't show how much better than other people it is. Love doesn't behave rudely. Love doesn't seek its own. In other words, it's not self-centered. Is not provoked. You see, you can't antagonize God. <laughs> okay? All right? Doesn't matter how bad you are, how ornery you are, how just plain ugly you are. Okay? Love thinks no evil. Not some evil. Or doesn't, you know, doesn't think evil all the time. Love thinks no evil. Uh, do you know what evil thoughts are? I mean, don't look so innocent. You know what evil thoughts are. I mean, I'm waiting for a response on this deal. Come on. I'm not talking about Playboy pinups. I'm talking about how do I get back at that person? Come on. I mean, this is gutter stuff, guys. You know, this is where we live. How can I cause that person some harm? How can I do it in such a way that it appears I've operated in righteous indignation? Where can I find a scripture that will support what I'm about to do? You see, I've planned it. Now I need scripture to back it so that I think I'm on sure ground. You're enjoying this, aren't you? <laughs> Have a look at this. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Listen, I'm going to say something here, please, and I want you to hear my heart. I personally, now this is for me, I'm not teaching this as doctrine, but I believe it's a persuasion of my heart. I'm going to mention a person. I know there's a spirit operating in that situation. And I believe this person needs a whole lot of prayer. But a person like Howard Stern should not be supported by Christians. You shouldn't listen to that trash on the radio. shouldn't go and see that movie. That guy needs to get born again. That guy is a pig out of the gutter. He's, a, he's got a mind that's a sewer. And there are Christians who sit and they talk about Howard Stern and what they heard on the program that morning. I want you to know something. This word tells me that love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. What he is perpetrating is iniquity. You listen to some of those risque uh, programs where on and on and on they're ad-libbing and the thing goes downhill real quickly and it's titillating you and I want you to know something that's iniquitous now that's my view that is not you're sowing to the flesh and the word of God says if you sow to the flesh you will out of the flesh reap corruption 
then you wonder why it is you can't get focused spiritually. We are called to be out of that world. Okay? And that's where the out of that world comes in. Goes on and says, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And I'm praying for Howard Stern. I'm, going, I'm believing that somebody is going to come across his path and the Holy Spirit's going to use them to jack, uh, jerk the slack out of that guy. Because that guy needs Jesus. If ever there's a guy who needs Jesus, it's Howard Stern. Arrogant. In love, Lord. Love bears all things. Bears all things. Do you know that there is a place for you and I to come to where irrespective of how irritating that person is next to us, you're able to handle it? Now, you may not believe it, but it is a place. Come on. I don't believe this is talking about situations because you can turn situations around. Amen. I think it's just that thorn in the flesh. <laughs> Love believes all things. Now, let me just clarify that. That doesn't mean it believes all things carte blanche. It believes all things that God has said. All right? All things. It doesn't believe a bad report on a person. It doesn't believe a bad report on a brother or a sister. The Word of God cautions us about believing bad reports. I want you to know I've adopted a position. Joan and I were talking about this. We are choosing... To believe the best of everybody. Even those who don't stay with living faith. That's okay. That's okay. We're just sorry we're not in a position to minister to them. But we believe that God will have somebody who can minister to them. Amen. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Never fails. God never fails. Love never fails. Thank you, Steve. I'm believing I can find, I can read the rest of mine here. Now, I want, you, I want you to see something. That's what love does. Now, that love, that same love, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who's taken up residence on the inside of us. He lives on the inside of you. How is it then that we don't, we're not able to do all those things? Because we have not cultivated them. See? They, they're there in seed form. We want to cultivate a whole lot of other things. And the one thing that very specifically is God. And you and I have already enjoyed the fruit of that because of salvation. God is love. So little of that kind of love is seen in the body of Christ. Well, I'm believing God for a love revolution. I'm believing God for a change. I'm believing God to cause this thing to come alive on the inside of us. Now, God's not going to give you more love. I don't believe you need more love. I believe what we need to do is we need to cultivate and develop the love that's been placed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, you see, uh, love does a whole lot of things. You can go and check that out for yourself. Love does all the things that we read about. But I want us to see... And I want you to go across to James, please. I want you to see, first of all, that 
love will get for me the things that I need. Love will. Now you say, hang on, Barry, I thought it was faith that's going to get that. I'm going to show you how you can operate by faith and not in love and not get your needs met. If you have a look, uh, you don't have to turn there, but if you're making notes, he has a reference point for us. John chapter 12, verse 24. Jesus says, Unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it puts itself in a position where it brings forth a superabundant harvest. Yeah. You can never have resurrection without a death. You can never have superabundance without planting the seed. And the seed goes into the ground, and in the ground things take place, and the result of its being prepared to die to itself is that there is a superabundance of it reproduced. Do you understand that principle? Now, if I want to reproduce myself, now I'm not talking physically, I'm talking about spiritually, which is the Christian life. I've got to be prepared to die. How are people ever going to see the love of God if they don't see it through us who are supposed to reflect God? Amen? Now you can talk about love and never walk in it. Love is not a philosophy. Love is something which is demonstrated. I believe that's why God created Adam and Eve in his, Adam in His image and His likeness. God is love, and God has got to have something towards which it moves, it demonstrates, it reveals itself, it shows itself. Or love is not experienced. You wives, and we've covered this before, but let me refresh your memories. You wives know what I'm talking about. How many times haven't you said to your husband, you know, he comes home and you're quiet. Now, men know something's not right when their wives are quiet. How are you? How was your day? Fine. Uh-oh. We got a pro he starts running down the list. What did I miss? What have I done? What should I have done? What didn't I do? And the guy starts breaking out in a sweat quietly next door. Boils, boils down to this. You don't love me. Of course I love you. I'm working hard. To she doesn't want your working hard. She wants you to spend time with her. Not just telling her that you love her. She wants a demonstration of love. She's not talking about jumping into bed. That's not love. That's the end result of love in the natural. That's not what she's talking about. She wants a degree of intimacy that you, as a male, are ignorant of, stupid. <laughs> I 
I mean, men are as dumb as posts, you know, really. We are when it gets to this. And she's sitting there telling us what she wants. And we're saying, well, I'm trying. And you're really not. You're thinking of the TV program. You're thinking of planning tomorrow. You're thinking of all these other things. And she can see them going through your eyes because your focus is not with her. See? So now she says, um, you, you, you don't love me. How can you say I don't love you? I mean, I've been married to you for 31 years. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, show me. Show, love has got to be demonstrated. Now, the same thing happens with us. We can talk to people about the love of God. You know, God loves you. And the guy sitting there, he's wounded, been wounded for years, comes out of a, an abusive situation, perhaps as a child, has never experienced love. Now, all of a sudden, we tell him God loves him. And we expect him, as we're sharing that revealed truth, to jump on there because this is what he's been waiting for all his life, and he's got no understanding what you're talking about. Now, if we are reflecting the life of God and therefore the love of God, he's got something to look at and say, I've never met anybody like you. But it's called dying. Dying to ourselves. And if we're not prepared to do that, they are not going to see the Father in us. See, conformity to the image of Jesus is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's two very simple things. But to achieve them, you and I are going to have to die to everything concerning ourselves. And these are the two things that are characteristic of having been conformed to the image of Jesus. It's, number one, what Jesus said about the Father. He said both of these things. Number one, I say only the things the Father gives me to say. Now, if you and I get to that place, we're doing real good. Okay? Jesus just spoke what the Father gave him to speak. And the second thing was this. He said, I do only the things I see the Father do. Not his own things. He's not trying to impress God. All he is is available to the Lord. Now conformity to the image of Jesus is that for us. We are striving out here to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Learning this, learning that, trying this, doing this putting our hand there, exercise, abstaining. Do. And that's not what it's about. It's a very simple walk. The Christian life is not a complicated walk. It is a walk of obedience. It is a walk of being willing to die to ourselves because the whole purpose in our death is that through that death comes resurrection life that reflects and other people start seeing the Father through our lives. And so, here in James, that's where we are, isn't it? James chapter 2. Because you see, this is where it starts, uh, and I made the statement, the two things that love will do, love will, number one, it will get me the things that I need in life. And I'm going to show you how. And the purpose of this is not to live this life in order to get these things, these things will come as I live the life. 
See, a lot of people are striving to live the Christian experience. All you've got to do is just, number one, die to yourself, and then, number two, get obedient to the Lord. That's all. You will grow. You will be used of God. It's not difficult being a Christian. So here in verse 14, What does it profit, my brother, though a man says he has faith and doesn't have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of a daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, and you don't give them those things necessary for the body, what does it profit? And that phrase, that question, you need a circle because there are two things. What does it profit them? And what does it profit you? Neither person is profited in the situation where the person knocks at your door. They're in need. They're destitute. And they've come to you because they know that you've got. That's why they've come. If they know you don't have anything, they're not coming to knock on your door. But they're coming to you because they know that you are able to help them have their need met. But if you say to them, brother, I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to believe God with you, and you share the word of God with them, and you send them out without meeting their need. There's no profit in it. It's just, just what it says. Verse 17, even so faith, if it doesn't have works, and I'm going to add a word there, corresponding action is another term that can be used in place of works. Even so faith, if it doesn't have corresponding action, is dead, being alone. You can have dead faith. See? Yes, a man may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now I want you to see this. Here is the person, they come to your door. How should we meet them? We should meet them in love. They've come in need. And they're coming to you, I don't believe, is by chance. I believe in divine appointment. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. I believe God brings people across our path and the purpose in being blessed materially and financially is in order to be a blessing. You can't be a blessing to the person who comes to your door in desperate need if you don't have anything to give them. If you're not able to meet their need. And so the thinking here is this. The prophet comes when there is the knock at the door. The situation is obviously one where there is a meeting of the need that is required and you're in a position to do it. Well, what happens if that's my only coat? That's why you've got faith. Not for him. Give him what you've got in order to meet his needs. And then, as a believer, use your faith to get your supply replenished. 
Because watch this. Doesn't Luke 6.38 say, Give? Turn across there, please, would you? Luke 6.38. Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into your bosom. Luke 6.38. Give. Say give. Give. You see, the minute the whole kingdom of God, Mark chapter 4 verse 26 says the whole kingdom of God is based on the principle of seed sowing. Unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, says John 12, 24. Mark 4, 26 talks about the whole kingdom of God operating on the basis of sowing seed. If I plant seed, that seed is going to die, but I, the result of that planting is a harvest. I don't get back the one little seed. I get back not just the fruit, but out of the fruit comes seeds for plentiful distribution. I can just, when I get on this roll, it just keeps going. I just keep operating the principle. So here comes the person knocking at the door and they're in need. Meeting that need is sowing seed. Give and it'll be given unto you. Now I give in faith. And give them your best. Lord, you don't want to give them socks with holes in. Because you're going to have that coming back to you a hundredfold. I mean, give them your best. Use, you know, use a little bit of savvy. You're going to sow seed, sow good seed. Sow good seed. Meet the need. Now, in the meeting of the need, I'm ministering to the man in a dimension that he can receive and his expression invariably is going to be one of gratitude. I'm opening a door of opportunity and I may not have to walk through it at that moment. I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to say, the time's right, brand him. But I don't have to do it there. I'm building a relationship. I'm reaching out and touching somebody and I'm in a position to do it because no matter what I've given him, I'm able with my faith to get my supply replenished. You didn't miss me on that, did you? Because you really weren't too excited about it. See? This is where, this is where the, I believe the faith message has gone wrong. Because people are focused on meeting their own needs. And when they've met, had their, their needs met, and they've got a full larder, and they've got a full cupboard, and, and a wardrobe, and everything, and it's gray, uh, they stop believing God. Why? Why? What about those who are not there yet? What about the needs in, in the church, in the local body? What about getting a faith project and taking hold of this and starting to run with it and say, man, I'm going to believe God for X number of dollars to put in there during the course of this quarter, six-monthly period, year, whatever it is. I'm believing God. And really actively, aggressively put your faith out there. See, now let's take the church out. Don't, do, don't put it in the church. Go and put it in your church. That's okay. That's okay. If God's planted you there and you're visiting from another church, now come, go and put it there. That's where God wants you to, you know. But the principle will work all the time. 
Now, I'm going to get blessed in this because I can't help it. I'm putting in motion a spiritual principle. I'm sowing. The end result of sowing is there's going to be a harvest. Now, if I'm not a stupid farmer, I get in there and I, when the time's right, I get my harvest. Yeah. Out of that harvest comes the meeting of my needs, and I'm put in a position where my barns become full. And I get seed for other opportunities to sow. And I'm, I've got this thing on a roll now. Do you understand? And you see, the prophet in that situation comes when I start understanding it's necessary for me to die to myself. And the dying to myself is I take out of what I've been blessed with and I bless the person who is in need. But I do it by faith saying, Father, I want to thank you that I'm in a position where I can do this. And I want to thank you that as I'm in a position to give, your word declares, I always quote the word of God over every transaction like that. See, I want to thank you that your word declares, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men give into my bosom. I want to thank you for the multiplied supply back to me. I want to thank you. It's coming in. I think That's why, you see, when I get up in the morning, you ask Joan, I thank you, Father, for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not shy. That doesn't embarrass God. Okay? Now, let me swing across to another area and, and in the, the, the last remaining minutes, let's have a look at another area. And let's move out of the realm of ourselves and our impact on a one-to-one -one situation like that. And let's bring it into the arena of the church. I've, uh, <clears throat> I've, I've, I've battled a whole lot over the years with this aspect of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that there is a direct correlation between the operation of the gifts of the Spirit and walking in love. I believe that there is. I don't think, you, you've got to remember uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 leads on to chapter 13, leads on to chapter 14, and those chapter divisions are given us purely for easy reference purposes. They were not written like that. This is one letter. So you need to read it, and in the context, I believe, if anything, uh, chapter 11 through uh, 14, in all probability, should be dumped together, because they are the ones that uh, seem to, you know, discuss life in the body, particularly. Now, chapter 13 has been known as the love chapter. It's not the love chapter. That's just a continuation of chapter 12. He's telling us in chapter 13 how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit that he talks about in chapter 12. Now, I'm saying this to you because I believe this. There are Christians who want the power of God to flow. I believe a number of things concerning the gifts, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are broken down into categories, and I believe that they are the calling card, if you like, of, of the fivefold ministry. If a person says to me, for example, that they're an evangelist, uh, I'm going to be looking to see the power gifts in manifestation in their ministry. See? If you tell me that you're a prophet, I want you to know, I'm going to be having a look for that prophetic gift. And I'm not talking about the prophetic gift that gets up there 
and uh, says, thus saith the Lord, I love you, my children. Okay, and I'm not making light of that because some of us need to, to hear that. I'm not talking about the gift that edifies, exhorts, and comforts. I'm talking about if you tell me that you're a prophet, right? I want to see the gift of the word of knowledge. I want to see the gift of the word of wisdom. I want to see the gift of discerning a spirit. So before you tell me that you're a prophet, you better make sure that you're mature enough to understand what we're even talking about. That's right. See, I mean, I hear charismatics. I mean, we're as weird as they come. See, guy just gets born again, and all of a sudden he's a prophet. Who said so? Well, I was there at that meeting, and the guy prophesied over me. Man, that might be God's purpose for you down the road, and I'm not in any way minimizing that. But I want you to know something. You don't wake up one morning, and you're a prophet. See, we've got to get away from this weird stuff. We've got to understand there's a growth process. Now, the gifts of the Spirit, I believe, operate by love. And let me ask you this question, because this is the challenge in, you know, in my life. Every time we get together, I love the body of Christ. I love the body of Christ. I, I mean that sincerely. I love the body of Christ. I love the local body here. I can meet with the body of Christ anywhere. When they're in praise and worship, I just love to get into the body of Christ. There are times I'm, I get so overawed by, by what is going on and, and the way that God can work and change lives. And I just stand there in the presence of God, and I love it. But you know, I look, at, I look at this, and this is the challenge to me. I find that the gifts of the Spirit, although they are the hallmarks or the calling cards or the identifications, the confirmations, I think, of the fivefold ministry, they're not confined only to the fivefold ministry. Because the body of Christ is expected to operate in these gifts. Because it says, to one is given. It doesn't say to one in fivefold ministry is given. See, I don't think that uh, it's only the prophet who can bring forth a prophetic word. I think that the, if there is one single uh, factor that militates against the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, it's this. I don't think we love each other enough. My own view. My own view. I think we love God. I don't think we love each other enough. You see, sensitivity to the needs of other people is what will give me understanding of what God wants to do into their lives. We want the power to flow. We've got heaven's ability. Uh, can you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Just for a couple of minutes. Just check that out there, David, please, would you? Take some of the boys with you. <laughs> boys from the hood. You might meet some boys from the hood out there. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If I have a look at verse 1, and I'm not going to do a teaching on the gifts. What I want to do is try and get the seed planted in our lives. So we start understanding that God has a requirement for us or of us, a requirement of us, and how He wants us to live in relationship to my brother and my sister. Now He starts off in verse 1 and He says, Now, concerning spirituals, and the word gifts is an italics, all right, which means it really wasn't in the original text. It was added by the translators to give amplification of thought. 
All right? So the word gifts is not there. It should read spirituals, which is probably more accurate. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So God is saying very clearly, I want you to have understanding. You may, as you start reading this, be ignorant, have no understanding, but when you've read through this, I believe that you will have understanding. That's the whole purpose of the writing. So that's what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Now, he goes on and he talks, and I want to pick up uh, from verse... And Steve, I'm going to have to borrow your Bible. Mine's too marked there. Sorry about that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Starting to read there at um, verse 4. There are differences of gifting, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God that works all in all. Alright? So you may not be doing what somebody else is doing. You are not called to necessarily do what somebody else is doing. And the gifting that will work through you, remember it's not natural talent, they're spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. They're given by the Holy Spirit, not natural gifting and talent. And we're not talking about this. We're talking spiritual gifts. There are, verse 6, diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, uh, he's talking here about the gifts. So when the gifts are in operation, it is a manifestation of the Spirit of God working. See, it's not man. Now, in order for the Holy Spirit to work through us and reflect the life of God, you've got to die to yourself. How do I get up and say this, Lord? Now, that's a good question. Provided you prepare to get up and say it His way. That's right. Yeah. See, have you ever been in a meeting where a guy started prophesying and he was in the Spirit? And he sort of thought that doesn't sound spiritual enough. And so he started trying to help God out. And you knew that he moved right out of the Spirit into the flesh. Amen? We've got to learn to trust God and just stay in the Spirit. And if he gives us five words to, to bring, bring it. He's not saying any more than that. Now he knows what he's doing. How many of you realize God knows what he's doing? <laughs> Amen? So you see, but, to, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of everybody. So in other words, anybody that he uses, he has chosen to use them. Not because they're that well educated. Not because they know the word that well. You ask, why did he choose them? Because he is God. That's what makes him God. It's called sovereignty. He is sovereign. And he chose to do it. And you want to argue, argue with him. But you don't know that person's life. No, I don't. And I don't plan to find out anything about it. If God used, I mean, God used a donkey one time because he couldn't find anybody else to bring the message. So he used a donkey. God can use any vessel. And I want you to see that the profit for, for the use of any vessel is for the people. 
Okay? Then he goes on and he says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and that's uh, special faith. That's not faith that cometh by hearing. That's not mountain-moving faith. All right? That's special faith. That's the kind of faith that has to be linked with it's called the category of the power gifts, the gift of working of miracles and the gifts of healings. These, these gifts, and there they've got a list there of the giftings. The gifts will only operate by love. Have a look at the last verse of that particular chapter. Earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, just for your consideration, what are the best gifts? I think that there are gifts in each category that the others hinge off, my own view. But really, the gift that is the best is the one that's needed at that moment in time. You see, if you're needing to hear a prophetic word concerning the direction for your life, you're not, you're not needing the gift of healing to, to manifest. You're needing a prophetic word. You're needing the gift of the word of knowledge or the gift of the word of wisdom spoken over you. All right? That's what you, you want to have come forth. Now, it says, last verse, desire earnestly the best gifts. So we've got a desire to operate in them. Why? Not in any way to puff ourselves up, not to show how spiritual we are, because when we are used, it is purely because God has chosen us to be used. And He may use you this Sunday and not use you for another year. That's right. See, I do not believe that God is going to use the same person over and over and over again unless there are the rest of them just don't want to be used. Mm -hmm. Come on. See, but God will speak to us. God will speak to us. And I believe that God speaks a whole lot more than we give Him credit for. Amen? But it doesn't always have to come out of the prophetic word. You know, somebody said to me uh, at the beginning of the year, Well, Pastor, <clears throat> what's God saying to us this year? And I thought for a minute, I thought, oh, nothing. <laughs> that doesn't mean He's quiet. It means He said something to us last year which we haven't yet completed. Why will God say something new? Wait until we've finished what He told us to start. Amen. And then he'll give us the next step. It's like the person who says, you know, I was praying and asking God to lead and guide me, and, and I've, I'm, I'm right here at this place, and I'm working for him. But I haven't heard from the Lord for a long time. Why should you? Well, I want him to lead me and guide me. He has. He's led you and guided you to that place. Now you're there, and you're doing what he wants you to do. Why will he speak again? Only if he wants to move you on. But if he doesn't speak to you, he's not wanting to move you on. We understand this, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Why do we always, I've got, to have, I've got to have a word from God. I've got to have a word. We're, you know, these charismatic groupies that run around to all these things, waiting for somebody to prophesy over them. <laughs> got to be careful. <laughs> got to be careful. I get the witness in my spirit that I am where God wants me to be. That's where I stay and I keep moving forward. Just keep doing what He called me to do. Yes, he wants me to change. He'll tell me. But I don't have to go seeking a word from the Lord all the time. 
Now, I'm sharing this with you because, you see, we want the power to flow. The power will flow through us when you die to yourself. We short-circuit the power. You will get your needs met when you die to yourself. Take what you've got and start blessing people who are in need. Now, I'm not saying get out there and give everything away. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying get yourself in a position that when people come to you and they're needing, you're able to minister into that need. And as you're ministering into that need, start receiving by faith the return. So when a person walks up to you and says, you know, I believe that the Lord wanted me to bless you with this. I believe it, brother. I don't have any problem believing it. Why? Because I've been expecting it. I live in that expectation all the time. That's not a hint. You understand? You understand what I'm saying? The gifts. Lord, take me and use me. He wants to do that. But you're going to have to die to yourself. So that, Lord, I'm not seen. Lord, make me very sensitive to the needs of your people. And sensitivity comes this way. The Lord will just quicken something. Just encourage that person there. Just a word over there. Tell the person, gee, you look great this morning. Now, don't do this to somebody else's wife if you're making eyes at her, all right? You get into trouble. Yeah, seriously. Okay. But you see, complimenting somebody, I mean, we've got to back away from this thing, you know. Uh, 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 complimenting somebody, man, you did a great job there. It, it was such a blessing. Yeah. You look great today, you know. Being nice to people starts building bridges. Dying to myself, I don't need to have people validate me. Let's move away from that, folks. I want God to validate me. I don't know about you. So, Lord, if I'm doing okay, thank you for your peace. If I step out of line, Lord, bring me back, and He'll do it. But I want to die to myself so that the love of God that has been shed abroad in my heart is released. And that release can come as I get sensitive to the needs of people and start speaking into their lives. Not prophetically. Just a word of encouragement. Dear Lord, the majority of you are not prophets. Okay? So don't run around giving people prophetic words. Please. Now I know there's that great enthusiasm to do that, but I want to tell you we've got to walk very circumspectly. I'm praying that the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts. When you get up the whole of this coming week, get up and the first thing you say is this, Father, I want to thank you that your love has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that this love that is on the inside of me suffers long and is kind. It endures all things. It can handle any situation in love. Thank you, Father, I'm able to look with the eyes of love on the people that are part of the family and love them. On the people that are not yet part of the family, I can love them, Jesus, with your love because of the love that is on the inside of me. I'm patient, I'm kind, I'm long-suffering, I endure all things, I'm able to handle it, Lord. Confess that over yourself. That's how you bring that to the fore. A lot of you are saying, Lord, I need to do something in my life. He's done everything that needs to be done. We've got to learn to develop this and release it. Develop it and release it. And there's nothing wrong in complimenting a person when they've done a great job or they're looking good. Tell them. 
tell them, say, man, you know, these praise team people here, they do a great job. How many of you express your gratitude to them personally? Say, man, that was tremendous. It'll really encourage them. But they're also brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'm just using them to illustrate the point. The people that work at the information desk, the people that work at the tape table, um, the people, don't even worry about the workers. Have a look at a person out on the floor that enters into praise and worship and just enters in uh, without inhibition. Go to them and say, man, that's such an inspiration to me. It's wonderful to see you worship God like that. Do you understand? Do you hear my heart on this? I think some of you have lost me. I hope not. Father, we want to bless you for your word tonight. Thank you, Father, that you are changing us. Holy Spirit, having brought to our attention the things that have been provided for us, start this work in us. Because, Lord, there are people who we're going to meet this week, this month, who are going to need to see the Father. And they can only see the Father through our lives. Enable us to have lives that reflect you. In love and in caring, in an ability to give, to suffer long, and to be kind and gentle. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen.